Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Weekend of your show. I'm your host Ali, and joining me tonight is only the one. So my tag team partner in crimes, Simon. How are we, chap? I'm not too bad, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah, very, very well. Both doing better than than Dave's household, unfortunately. The the joys of little ones, ones bugs hit everybody's everybody's floor. So um, just a little just a little duo tonight. Um, we'll we'll ant and deck our way through this whole weekend. <laughs> in, in honour of Dave not being here, we'll, we'll take on the roles of ants on deck. Anton Deck, the uh, the other Georgie heroes. Yeah, exactly. We've got to, we've got to tie it in, and I mean, what a weekend for him to miss. I mean, the results yeah. probably went any better for. for <laughs> oh, no, that, that, that's probably why why he's ill. It's, it's nothing to do with his son being ill. It's it's the shock of what's happened this weekend. Yeah, and and we also we try to get the boss on as well to celebrate their win, and and he's busy distracted for us as well. So yeah, we're we're left to fly the flag. We'll just catch the end, Simon. Friday night's game. Which is the game Dave would have been watching, you know, with great intent, and Fulham just didn't do themselves any justice at all in this game. And Wolves, I, I say sneaked away, but I think they were more than comfortable winners. I, I think you'll agree there. One 0 win, ninety second minute, ninety first minute, Adama Traore. I mean, did you did you see much of the game? And yeah, I mean, to be fair, it was one of those games where it was just the uh, stoppage time in either half was was the main incidents. I mean, Fulham. I think they they sort of with the defeat to us last week and this defeat this week they they were six points that you wouldn't say were there for the taking but there was an opportunity for them to, to get points from those two games yeah and um, I think yeah they'll be they they it's just it's got it's just gone from their point of view it just seems to have all gone wrong for them uh, just at the wrong time Wolves will obviously be grateful for the uh, to get three points because that's a really great season for them. And Adama Traore, the last season gets his uh, last week got his first assist of the season, and Friday night his first goal. And I mean, it was a it's a good strike to be fair, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good strike. He hit it well. I, I, I was maybe be a bit critical on the keeper, but I thought he should have done a bit better. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think with, with those ones, it always when when he when he goes at the near post. And especially when you look at the replay, you all, your first thought is always keeper should do better. And maybe I need to see it again. But some, sometimes when it's when it's hit that hard, it it can be difficult to stop, even if it is on your near post. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, what was your thoughts on the the disallowed goal against the other main talking point? Ah, uh, oh, I mean, it, it's it's just a joke. I. I I mean, we've, you know, there's been a number of these sort of things throughout the season. I mean, from the Villa point of view, Oddie Watkins has had two goals taken off for his elbow being off. Yeah, right at the start of the season, Patrick Bamford. I mean, the, that one against Palace when his feet were behind the defenders, but his his elbow's offside. 
But what makes this one even more ridiculous is, like, at least with those two, it's the ball through to the guy who scored. So, you know, it's, it's a stupid decision, but in the letter of the law, you can argue, yeah, he, he was offsiding according to how the law's at the moment. But how can you possibly say the ball to the, the winger there? I just, I, I, I just cannot accept that, that he's got any sort of advantage with that. I mean, you'd be absolutely furious if you were a Wolves fan with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we all, we all say decisions we talk about. If, you, if you're taking it to the letter of the law, they're, they're probably right. But what doesn't give it any justification is all the lines that they're drawing and the angles that they're showing. They're not, yeah. It's not giving themselves any credibility. I mean, we'll come on to the Liverpool game, Villa game, which obviously we both, you know, majorly <laughs> invested in, but I just I, I just can't grasp the lines. And, like, no, it, it, it's because even though they're saying it's from the end of, the shirt sleeve, I think, is where they're meant to be taking the lines from. But th- it just it doesn't seem like they actually have the technology to be that precise about it. Yeah. And not just that, it's how do you, you cannot, if you're getting the lines out and being that microscopic about uh, the positions of the players, surely you've got to be doing the same with when the ball is actually released. Well, well that's, this is the, this, this, the hardest thing. I mean, to get it to the point that the millimetre that it leaves the boot to then the millimetre of the exact stage, I just feel, yeah, I feel the technology is not there to do both at the same time. And even if it is scientifically the way they are seeing it, it's not mm. portrayed to us. So until they can do both, I feel yeah. it's just, there's no credibility to it. Would, I'm not sure if I read this right or if it, if it wasn't the right information, but I'm sure I heard something about that in, in other leagues in Europe, or certainly in the Champions League, that they give, with, with those like, ridiculously tight ones, that there's some, there's some sort of leeway because, of, because they can't be so precise about where the ball is released. I'm not sure if I heard that or not, but that the Premier League are just not using that sort of interpretation of it, and they're just, they're, they're just going ridiculous on it. Yeah, I mean, I I was speaking to a boy at work on Saturday when the the Firmino Liverpool one was disallowed, and the the amount of time that they're taking to to analyse these you know minuscule decisions, do you think that maybe they could do like even a time limit on their decision if they can't come to a conclusive decision in say sixty seconds, then yeah, I just well, allow the decision. I think that's certainly a step in the right direction because I mean. Just obviously off the top of my head because because it was a Villa one. I, I remember way back, I think it was maybe October time when uh, we we lost away to West Ham on the Monday night at Watkins. We thought we got an equaliser in stoppage time, and they spent three minutes looking at it. And yeah, I th- you, if you're spending three minutes, I, I don't see how how you can say, well, we've got conclusive proof on it, because yeah. the fact you've had to spend so long suggests it's not conclusive. Yeah, because they're, they're not going to get rid of it. It doesn't matter how much we complain. No. Uh, so I I wouldn't be surprised if in the summer there's uh, they make some sort of amendments, whether it's a time limit or they give like a bit of leeway. But I'd, I'd be absolutely amazed if, if we go into the next Premier League season with it being in, implemented the same way it's, it's currently being used. I, I do. I do feel football will lose many more fans um, 
I mean, I watched football this weekend just when Dave told me that he was going to be ill. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you know my thoughts on football and not just obviously Liverpool season, but like Fulham had been on a quite a good run in the last, you know, bad in the last couple of games. Um, but they, they dropped Angisa again. And uh, for me, he's been one of their better players this season. I mean, I don't know what you're watching him, but is this just Scott Parker being a PE teacher and not a football manager? And... Um, it's a really odd one because I I agree. I, I was really surprised that, that he didn't play against us last week. And I, if I'm right in remembering, I, I don't think he came on either. It's, uh, it's, it's really weird because, as you say, Fulham, they haven't been necessarily winning like a lot of games, but they were picking up draws, which and the odd victory, yeah, which had sort of put them into a decent position. So I, I don't know if it was a, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as say it's maybe Scott Parker being a, a PE teacher because I think, <clears throat> I think he has shown that he's that there's something there because if if you look at how they were in the first sort of four or five games of the season. He very quickly recognised, right, we can't keep going unless we need to change something. Whereas, you know, when you look at what Chris Wilder did at Sheffield United, they, they just kept doing the same thing. But he, he's, uh, he, he certainly got it wrong the last two weeks. And I think, yeah, dropping Anguissa, that, that's just a really odd decision for me. Yeah, so I mean, Fulham, having got that gap closed, they're now six points behind Newcastle, playing a game more. Um, I mean, we'll come on to West Brom later on, but they're only two points behind Fulham now. We played a game less as well, so we'll come on to the Saturday game, the early kickoff, I believe, the half past twelve game, and it was Man City one, Leeds two. Now I'm going to start on Ross's behalf, who sent me a message to Wax Lyrical <laughs> how much he loves Leeds United, how much he loves this team, the heart, the spirit they've got, and. Like even Leeds United hate us, you know, can't deny anything that you know Ross feels. The the heart that this team possess, the the energy they put in every single game, is incredible. I, I do worry if Bielsa ever decides to leave because that'll be like like a drug addict losing their most important drug. I feel. Um, hmm. But what I will say on this game is, how the hell did Man City not win this game? <laughs> <laughs> 29 shots, 7 on target Only 7 on target Leeds had 2 shots 2 goals And they had a man sent off um, And we'll praise VAR for that as well But I mean, thoughts on the game, Simon? Like you I can't really work out How how Leeds won this game um, That And that's that's not to discredit The the effort and That oh, they showed yeah. But like even even just taking the stats away, like watching the game, he, even in the first half when it was eleven v eleven, it was it was all Man City. But what what I think leads, I, I I would I do have to give them real credit for, and it's something that I've been very critical of them all season. Is they despite the amount of shots City has, you say there's only seven on target, and that was because. Leeds defended really, really well for a change. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's something we've kind of said all season. They're great going forward, but they're shit at the back. But they really, they really, really defended well. Probably knew City were going to have uh, quite a lot of the ball. Probably gave away more possession than they would have liked to. I don't. I wouldn't have thought that, that was Leeds' game plan to sit back at them. But they, 
City, a lot of their possession was uh, in like their own half or in the sort of middle third of the pitch. Even when they got the ball in around the box, it was a lot of passing from one side of the box to the other. They rarely got in at them and got in behind. And they had a, a number of those shots were, were from quite a distance, which, you know, you, you, they, even if they were on target, you'd be expecting the keeper to save them. Um, but, I mean, fair play. you you just got to take your half to leagues. Fair play. they got two chances. And fucking hell, they were clinical. And Stuart Dallas is not... It's not someone I'd have necessarily thought of as a, as a cool, calm, collected finisher under pressure like that, but both goals. In the first one, I think Ederson, um, I think he could be disappointed with it. He, I think he just thought it was going to go wide because he didn't really even die for it. He sort of just dropped to his knees, I think, thinking it was going to go wide. The second goal, to have the, the energy at that stage of the game, having played the whole half you know, down to 10 men against a team like Man City, for him to still have that willingness and bravery, actually, to make that run forward, you've you just got to take your hat off to them and say that was, that was an incredible, incredible result. It, it certainly shuts up the leads are going to burn out people, you know, to still, you know, put in that, as you say, with 10 men against that Man City team. That, that's, that's fitness, like, at its highest level. That's bravery at its highest level because another team get beat, you know, once once they go down, you know, the, the equaliser comes from City, then the, the sending off and uh, better teams than Leeds lose 5-6-1 in a game like that. Um, I thought the goalkeeper made an absolute unbelievable save from De Bruyne uh, where he actually hurt himself. But, I mean, the red card, um, just we criticised VAR just before. Um, but got it absolute bang on for the for the Cooper challenge. Um, just a bit. I don't know if it was like a, a lazy tackle because I'm not saying it was like he's a he's a dirty player, but um, it was just one of those that like a missed bounce, a misjudged bounce. Would you say? And yeah, bit, bit high. Yeah, I think it was uh, just a bit reckless, and I don't think there was there was any intention to go and hurt him. I mean, Cooper. I remember when when we played against Leeds in the Championship, and he uh, he he likes a strong challenge, which I don't mind to be honest. I you know I've always liked my centre backs to to go in and win the ball, but going hard, you know, make sure that that you put something on them as well. And I think he just I think he probably tried to do that, but, but just got it just just this time distance. I don't think you can have any complaints about that red card. And he, even Ross, I think was pretty unequivocal that it was a red card, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, like, the VAR done its job. You go and have a look at it. The ref had a look, you know, clear and concise. No yellow card, let's go with the red. And by the looks of the Leeds players, nobody was really arguing on the pitch either. Uh, I think they kind of knew he got away with one. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, that, that's one of those challenges, like, that probably in the, it was certainly in the 90s and possibly in the sort of 2000s, you, you'd maybe have got away. With, not even a foul back then. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly in the 90s, that wouldn't even be a foul. You, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you'd have got a booking for that. But nowadays, if you go in that high and you and you don't really get the ball, and even, to play, even if you do get the ball and you go in that high, you, you're asking for a red card, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, like, the, I think the most important thing you can say about Leeds here, when barring the courage and all that, was, was the defensive. That's a great positive to take out of that. 
Um, I mean, Man City, nothing to worry about. Still going to win the league at an absolute canter. <laughs> yeah. I'd be surprised if it's less than 10 points. Um, but that's Leeds. I mean, they're 10. For, you guys have got a game in hand on them, Simon. Um, but they are a point clear of you. They're, they're level on points with Arsenal. It's just an incredible season for Leeds. And if they could just turn a couple of those losses into draws or, you know, into, you know, sneaking wins, I'm sure they've lost games that they really shouldn't have lost. Um, just with a nice summer that they, they could have a really good season again next year and we fans back surely that can only help this Leeds team I, you'd think so I think I think it'll be been an interesting summer for them because I think like, I mean like you said earlier that if, if Bielsa went like if he wasn't the manager of that squad of players this season I, I'm not saying they'd have necessarily gone down but I think they'd have been much more in that fight. I think it'll, in the summer, I think they'll need to make a few decent signings, which you know, they, they may well be capable of doing. But uh, like next next season, you know how like uh, last year Sheffield United sort of surprised everyone. This year, that you know teams sort of worked them out a bit. Now, not for one second saying that Leeds would go on and do anything like Sheffield United next year, but I think there will be an element of teams will certainly have a lot more respect for them than they would have done probably the first few weeks of the season and will have to have specific game plans to to counter against them. So I think that I think they'll need to invest in a few few better quality players if they want to keep keep playing that way and move up in the table. Yeah, certainly if they want to keep playing that way just because I think just teams around them will strength one, but I'm, I'm more than com- confident that they'll finish at lowest, like a 13-14th in the league um, next season. I think they're more than OK. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that, to be fair. It's just, just something that they they, they want to be mindful that they don't sort of rest on their laurels, that you I, need to keep improving. I think that's where Bielsa comes in handy, because Bielsa's a key part on whoever they sign, I'd imagine. And uh, again, it'll not be so much I can't imagine Bielsa wanting to sign the name of a player as such, but more the role that they can play and they'll fit into his system. And yeah. That, and like as as Klopp as our manager, we found that more important. You know, like players like Milner, they, you know, obviously Joe Gomez playing as much. I know he didn't sign him, but they would rather look for players to play positions than go out and grab the the biggest name as such. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's very much. It's, it's not a case of, you know, this is probably the better player, but, you know, it's the player that's going to fit into to how Leeds play. Absolutely. Um, right, do you want it? In fact, <laughs> shall we? Nah, let's just talk about it. Liverpool 2, Aston Villa 1. Um, not quite the revenge that I had hoped for um, <laughs> for the game earlier on this season. Um, a very... A very strange game for me, Simon. I mean, I, I, I mean, I might be biased, but I genuinely feel in that first half, up until up until your goal, I felt Liverpool almost battered Villa. You know, it was kept a lot of the ball. Villa, Villa were very, very poor. Um, and then there was a mistake by can't remember who gave the ball away. McGinn played a lovely ball to Watkins, and I, I do feel it was it was a well taken goal, but I do feel. Alisson should have saved that. I have no idea what he was doing. And then Liverpool think they get an equaliser. Two minutes yeah. later. Um, and VAR did a VAR. 
Uh, we'll talk about the first half first, Simon, since it's just me and you. So, I mean, do you agree that Villa were very below par in that first half and, and lucky to get the, the 1-0 lead? I thought we were absolutely dreadful in that first 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, like, shockingly bad. Um, Liverpool, as you say, they, they completely dominated. The, the one thing I suppose you, you could say is that they, they dominated without really creating a proper clear-cut chance. Like they, had yeah, a, yeah. they had a number of efforts, but there they, they were efforts that, that you'd expect Martinez to deal with. But, but we, we, from our point of view, it, we were so bad. We, we couldn't keep hold of the ball. The amount of times we gave it away sloppily and any ball into your half, it just seemed to bounce off our players. Like how we went in, how we took the lead in that game, I'll never know. Like as you say, it was a nice ball from McGinn. The goal, yeah, I, I think you can say Allison should have done better. The, if you were trying to be kind, I, I think I think what he did was make. I think he made a mistake trying to go for it with his hands. I think the shot was a lot closer to his body. He, yeah. If he'd have stuck a leg out. He probably saves that come through. I think trying to dive down and stop it with his hands is what costs him there. But we we not a chance we deserve to be one up in that game. We, we were so so bad in that first forty five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and the goal disallowed. I mean, in agreement with me, even though it's against yourselves, it's just almost oh. nonsense again. Yeah, a, a complete nonsense. Like you know, like we've said, it, the way the the laws currently are, you know, we we've had a couple taken off us for exactly the same thing. But when when it happened against us, uh, when we had goals taken off us for those offsides, I was absolutely furious. If I was a Liverpool fan watching that at the time, I'd, I'd have been just as livid because it's it's just a joke. Like because what what also what makes that one so ridiculous is the idea that Jota has uh, gained an advantage from his position. Is ridiculous because Cash actually should have cleared the ball anyway. Like he yeah. he was still in the better position. It was only from from a, from our point of view, it's fortunate that he didn't make contact with it. But you know the, the fact that he was even there to uh, have you know potentially made the clearance surely in the gates any idea that Jota that was in any sort of advantageous position. It, it was a joke. Yeah. Um... Then second half, I mean, second half he didn't actually improve too much. I mean, slightly better, kept a bit more of the ball for a period of time, but it felt like once we got one, I did feel that we could have got the win, albeit we left it late. And uh, I think it was Andy Robertson that had the shot. And yes. But Martinez made a really, really good save. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, Salah was there <laughs> to finish it off. And then even late on, I think. Was it Shakiri played the ball in Thiago, and it was like a a volley, half volley again, just a really, really world class save from Martinez. Yeah, <laughs> and the ball goes out to to Trent, and when you see this, I don't know if you've seen the still image of what Trent could see. Yeah, where he hit the shot, like you, you must have been thinking at the time. Great, he's parried out to a, a safe place, and I mean Trent, you know, he's not exactly a renowned goal scorer. And, 18 yards out, we got loads of players in the box. You, you must have still felt 
you know, before it going in, you know, just hit it. You know, what, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, uh, I was actually the complete opposite. Well, as soon as it fell to him, I thought... Oh, really? Yeah, I thought this is going in the back of the net. Like, <laughs> to, to be fair, the, the second half, once Liverpool equalised, I thought we actually slight, very slightly improved. In that we, we, tried, we tried to get forward a bit more often. Trezeguet, really unlucky uh, with the shot off the post. And then bounce, you know, across the line, and he, he got a header onto it as well, and just just couldn't steer it in. What really, really pissed me off towards the end was um, Ross Barkley. Twice he had the, the I think the, the third, there was one occasion where the ball had been played over the top, and he looked like he was clean through. And instead of turning and trying to get a shot on. He heads it clear for you, like about 30 yards back up the pitch. And I was like, okay, okay that, that was a strange decision. And then just before your winning goal, again, he got the ball on the edge of the box, loads of space. And you're thinking, just fucking hit the thing. Even if you leather it into the stands, it takes 30 seconds out of the game and Liverpool don't go and, and don't go to the other end of the pitch and score because he, he lost the ball on the edge of the box. Yeah. And it was from that counter-attack. He went on and got the winner, and it, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion with, from Barkley that I p- personally wouldn't bother playing him again now for the rest of the season because we're not going to sign him next year. So I'd rather see a, a kid from the academy take that place on the bench because yeah, for me it's just pointless him being there. Yeah, once a scouser, always a scouser. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, we'll come on to that, the table for you, for yourselves before we talk about Liverpool, but I mean, you're sitting 11th just now, game in hand against most teams, which I believe is against Everton, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got Everton to play twice, so I mean, if you win that, I don't know what the Everton scores tonight as we record, but if you win that, you're up to ninth. you're not probably going to qualify for Europe now, I think that's... Yeah, I'm not going, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, would you now look at, you know... Breeding in some of the, the younger guys between now and the end of the season. Now, I don't mean play five or six of them at a time, but yeah. you shove a couple on the bench like that. What's the young guy that scored against Liverpool in the Cup? The Louis... Yeah. Louis Barry. Louis Barry. Would you, would you start giving them, you know, 10, 15 minutes at the end of the games? Or? Personally, I would, yeah. I mean, like, like you say, when people say, oh, she took the youngsters, I'd, like, I'd, I'd never advocate chucking four or five of them in because it... It's pointless, and we're not playing well at the moment anyway. So all you know that that's not going to help them. But certainly, the fact is, you know, as you say, we're not going to we're not going to qualify for Europe now. It's very unlikely that we will. Yeah. Um, so it'd be worth maybe one or two on the bench to chuck on. But at the same time, like like I've kind of said in terms of just not wanting the season to fizzle out, like how. Ha- Having been above both Leeds and Arsenal all season, I would be annoyed if we finished below uh, either or both of those teams because, because uh, you know, for 30 games we've we'd been above them. We've been in the top 10 all season. So if we ended up finishing, say we finished 12th, from one point of view, you, you go, well, look at the difference, you know, from last year, you know, the progress we made from last year to now. And so you look at that and go, you know, it's still been a fantastic season. But there would be, if we dropped down, say, 12th or 13th, and that's where you finished, it would just be, it would be a real sour note to end on, having been so good for 
you know, a large part of the season and done so well. You just you just don't want that to happen. And unfortunately, if you look at our running, I think our, how many games? I think we've got about seven or eight games left. And in them, we've got Everton twice, Tottenham, Man City, Chelsea, Man United. You know, we've we've got most of the teams that we've got to play are all still above us. So you, it's a worry. And without Jack Grealish, we're just a completely different team. Like, I mean, which sounds you know, ridiculously obvious to say. But, I mean, even, like, the, the game against yourselves on Saturday, I, I personally didn't think that Liverpool were great. They were better than us. But they were there. There was an opportunity to get at them. And you just think, if if we'd have had, say, a fully fit Jack playing there, you know, they, they, I think we could have got something out of that game, just like the Tottenham game we had the other week. I think if Grealish plays in that game, I think we'd have beaten Spurs that night. It's it's something that we really need to address in the summer, like yeah. having having better quality players around him as well. Yeah, def- definitely more quality around him, especially if you want to push on further. But, I mean, I, I've said it for the whole time Grealish has been out. But my issue for yourselves isn't that Grealish is missing. My issue is you still try to play the same the same way. Yeah. Without Grealish. You know yeah. Spurs couldn't play the same way with Hurricane missing. Um you know, like Barcelona can't play the same type of football without Messi because there's not many players who can do do these guys' jobs and, and Grealish is, you know, a, a top quality player. Um I, I mean I'm not his biggest fan, I still wouldn't take him at Liverpool, I don't think he fits our system. But he definitely fits in a lot of team, big team systems. But with players like those, you, you, you just can't play the same way. And I feel that's maybe Dean Smith's biggest letdown in the last... I think he's missed four games now, Grealish, is that right? Maybe five? Oh, that's more than something about seven or eight now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so it's longer. So, and, and I just feel, so they're putting somebody else in who clearly can't do what Grealish can do. I just wish he'd mixed up a bit and changed it. Or if they have a young... This is where a youngster... If they have a youngster who can do similar things, not at the, the, the level of Grealish, but the same job, that's mm. when you do that sort of interrogation. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, the, the big thing for us is, you know, obviously, last year, we've, you know, we were very, very, very lucky to, to survive. Um, I, I think what we did in the summer is we massively improved the first team with the signings that we made. So we've become now a team... Without Grealish, we're probably a team that you'd expect to finish around thirteenth, you twelfth, know, maybe. With him, it's a team that's capable of finishing. I personally think in the top seven or eight. And I think the key is now in the summer for us. Um, it's it's now it, get, buying players in that are going to improve the squad as well. Because we've got a good first eleven when everyone's fully fit and that's it. But you look at the bench and there's really one or two players that you'd bring on that that will make a proper impact and that that's what we need to do to go forward and improve for next season. Yeah, no, that's I, I mean I can't disagree at all. Um, I mean as far as Liverpool go, um, I was against the top four. Well, not against it, but you know what I mean. Like I was negative on it. Then I did the predictions and the games that we have compared to others. It seen me sneak Liverpool into the top four. Um, and this weekend couldn't have gone any better for for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so we're now hold on, let me bring the table back up. We're six in the table after tonight's results. 
Um, and great podcasting with Ems and Asia. You're so three, three points off the top four, aren't you? Yeah, three, three off the top four. And, I mean, I still, I, I keep saying this every week, but they, they keep getting points, but yeah. I still don't think West Ham can keep up, you know, the, yeah. they're on. So it's really between Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, and there's only two points in there. So, I... Well, I, I, I just before you... I, I was going to... Is it just between Liverpool and Chelsea? And I only ask that because are Leicester in danger of doing a Leicester? Simon, now you know me and my love affair <laughs> for Leicester City. So, we bring Leicester in it because they also have the worst manager in the Premier League. Um <laughs> And I have brought up Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester's fixtures between now and the end of the season. So, Liverpool's remaining games are away to Leeds United, home to Newcastle, away to Man United, home to Southampton, away to West Brom, away to Burnley and home to Crystal Palace. Nice fixtures in there. The only games there that could be a struggle are Leeds, which is our next game, just purely on the way Leeds play. And then away to Man United. But Man United are also quite diabolical away from home. Mm. Realistically, West Brom, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Newcastle, sorry Dave, they are yeah. very easily winnable games. Especially if the forum starts to come back. I mean, that's four four league wins in a row for Liverpool, which is the first time since the start of the season. Um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Bloody hell. So, we come on to Chelsea, who, again, two points clear of Liverpool. They have their home to Brighton, away to West Ham, home to Fulham, away to City, home to Arsenal, home to Leicester, and then away to Villa, the last game of the season. That West Ham game's going to be a big one next week, isn't it? Yeah, and then, I mean, you, you imagine they lose to City, fair. Yeah. Draw. Um, and then that last three of Arsenal, Leicester and Villa. There's, there's no bankers. Yeah. No, to, to be fair, that they they're all. You look at if you're looking at Chelsea's fixtures and and Liverpool's fixtures, I would want Liverpool's set of fixtures going into that running. So we then come on to bottle job Leicester City, <laughs> um, who, which we'll come on to later, delightfully lost to West Ham yesterday. They are at home to West Brom, home to Palace. Away to Southampton. Yeah, looking not bad. Home to Newcastle. It's, again, winnable, but at that stage of the season might be tough mm. because Newcastle need points and sort of thing. That's scrappy. Then the last three games. Away to United. Away to Chelsea. Home to Spurs. Ooh. They... they need to win the next five games, I feel. Yeah, I was just going to say, they, they they need to go into those last three fixtures probably at least seven points clear of fifth. Well, yeah, well, currently they are only four points clear of Liverpool. Yeah, that's... A two-game swing. And I suppose what, what could throw them is if they beat Southampton on Saturday in the... Uh, FA Cup semi-final, yeah, and they and they've so they've got a final to look forward to. Yep. That I don't care what players say about saying you know, or we take each game to time. We we say professional. If you're in an FA Cup final and you've know you've got that in the back of your mind, 
even though you're still you're striving for a top four finish, you do not want to miss that final. You do not want to risk getting yourself injured, do you? Especially, and I don't. This is one thing I'm genuine. I don't mean it disrespectfully. Especially for a team like Leicester. Yeah, yes, one hundred percent. A Chelsea 100%. player probably could could look past an FA Cup final. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're not caring. A lot of Chelsea, Liverpool, City. I mean, you could even go to Arsenal purely on the amount of foreign talent they have. The FA Cup doesn't mean much to them. A yeah, team well, like Leicester with a fan base like that. Yeah, well, also those teams you just mentioned there. They win they, it. They, they, yeah, that's it. They, they win, you know, they, they, they win trophies fairly consistently. Leicester, OK, I know they won the Premier League, but, I mean, I think it's like 50-odd years or so since they've won an FA Cup. If all, I don't even know if they've ever won one before, but it's, if they have, it's certainly a long time ago. So that would be a massive thing for them, wouldn't it? And also for Brendan Rodgers to win a trophy in in England as well. Well, yeah, because I mean, I'll well, yeah, I'll just bring it up now. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has done a really good job at Leicester. I think we can all agree, no matter what I think of him, right? Yeah. But ultimately, is his tenure at Leicester a success without top four or winning anything? Like, if he goes out, if he eventually leaves Leicester or or gets sacked, yeah, is his time at Chelsea at Leicester? A success. Bearing in mind, he has a very, very talented squad. Yeah, I. Yeah, if he, if they, if they drop out of the top four again this year, and don't win anything, you would, you wouldn't say that it's been like a, a bad season, like a bad season. But I, I get what you mean. That yeah, if, say, say if in a year's time or so he ends up leaving, and in, and he hasn't got them into a Champions League final, uh, into a Champions League. Campaign or won a trophy, I think you would have to say that ultimately it has been a bit, bit of a failure because, as you say, that squad of players. I know they've been, they've had a lot of injuries you know, over the last few months, but even so, like with that squad of players, you, they should probably be be achieving something. Yeah, no, we'll we'll move on before I delightfully dismiss them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even talking about their game yet. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> well, last game of the Saturday, we'll we'll briefly go over them because, um, just because. Yeah. So Chelsea four one winners at Palace. Um, Kai Havertz playing in the false nine. Thought he played really well. Uh, Havertz got a goal. Pulisic with a goal. Zuma with a goal. Benteke pulled one back, and then Pulisic with a with a second. I thought Chelsea were outstanding. Up until the up until half time really. And then I felt they just kinda eased off and let Palace into the game, although Palace only had one shot. Yeah, very yeah. for Chelsea. Oh yeah, I mean I, like like you said, the the, the first half they, they were brilliant. I, I think um especially after what happened last week against West Brom, I think they, they thought, right, we need to really go out and, and put on a show here and like yeah, they they eased off at half in the second half, but they've got the second leg of their Champions League game on Tuesday night. So I suppose that's understandable. Let's be honest: if you've gone three 0 up against Crystal Palace, you've got to do something spectacular to, to not come away with all three points. Two thousand and fourteen. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Well, that, Thanks for that. That, that that was something spectacular, wasn't it? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, look, as you say, we've got Champions League, which I believe they're 2-0 up, isn't it, against Poland? They are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so looking good to qualify for the next round. I can't see anything going wrong. Yeah, just a, like Crystal Palace are just a team that they're safe. They're not going to cause you any bother. Roy Hodgson, I don't, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's always the same way Roy Hodgson teams. They, they get the points they need, and then they almost go on their holiday early. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Palace are at the stage of the season now that if you're a team uh, who's either battling to try and stay up or is, you know, battling to try and get into the, uh, the Champions League spot, you want to have a game against Crystal Palace coming up because they're, yeah. they're just on the beach, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, next, well, we'll just come on to Sunday's games. Um, and the, we can go talk about the relegation battle now. So, Burnley won Newcastle 2. I mean, maybe the, the most important win for Newcastle in a long time, especially having Fulham lost, um, and then to go 1-0 down. Uh, Dave must have been pulling his hair out. At that <laughs> um, but two second-hand goals for... Hand? Second-hand? Second-half goals from Jacob Murphy and St. Maximum um, secured three points for, for Newcastle here. Uh, such an important important one here, wasn't it? Oh, huge. I mean, the last last two weekends now, obviously Fulham losing two games, Newcastle getting four points you know, from Tottenham at home and Burnley away. That On paper, they're, they're tricky fixtures. So to have come away with four points from that it's, at this stage of the season now is is massive. What, what I found incredible was uh, that that Newcastle started with St. Maximum on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> it's so odd. Look what happened when he came on. Literally right away. <laughs> um, really strange, that. But, I mean, at least he did bring him on. <laughs> and, like, but to get that three points, huge. Biggest thing, well, one of the biggest talking points I found in that first half, it's our old friend's VAR again, that the, the non-penalty... It was just a kick in the head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just... I, I mean, anywhere else on the pitch, there's not a second hesitation. That's that's a free kick and probably a yellow card. Even if, so, you, even if you want to go down the route of it not being deliberate, foul, etc., etc., why are you not at least being a drop ball then, if you want to go down that route? You know? I, yeah, well, I mean, I, with things like that, though, just because... He had his eyes on the ball, and he wasn't, you know, deliberately trying to kick him in the head. Surely that that's but, sort of irrelevant when you end up kicking some when your foot's that high and you end but, up kicking someone in the head. Absolutely, because if the striker had did this and and scored when yeah. there was head there, the goal gets disallowed. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I think. The fact that Newcastle won the game means that. I mean, certainly when I was watching Match of the Day last night, I don't. I don't think they even really referred to it when they were doing the analysis because obviously Newcastle won the game. If they don't win that game or uh, at least get points, then you'd be absolutely fuming, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, there's not really much more we can add on the game, but we'll we'll talk. We'll, we'll go to the table side <laughs> and we'll look at the bottom. So we've now got obviously we'll come on to West Brom later. Um, with their one tonight but 24 points for West Brom 26 for Fulham 32 for Newcastle which that's a huge gap and Burnley only a point ahead of them now um, 
Is it too early to say Newcastle's probably done enough now? Because they will pick up more points. I I'd say that it's still probably too early, and just purely because of their next five games. I'm just I've just got their fixtures now. Their next five games: we've got West Ham at home, Liverpool away, Arsenal at home, Leicester away, Man City at home, and then they finish with Sheffield United and Fulham. Now. It's not inconceivable to suggest that they won't get any or just one or two points from the yeah. next five games. Um, I'm not sure exactly who Fulham have got coming up. So I think what's, what they, what's, they've done over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of weekends, they've put themselves in a very, very good position. Um, but I, I think it's still probably just too early to say at the moment that they've probably, that they've done enough, but, They've certainly given themselves a massive, massive boost in in staying up. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think I I mean I predicted them to be safe with the results they've got. Think I think I had them getting maybe two points from the next five games in the predictor. You know, just sneak a couple of draws. <coughs> yeah. Um, and there's no reason they can't beat Sheffield United and Fulham the last two games of the season. Yeah. Or at least draw with them so they can't gain on them anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll I think we'll be okay. I think we'll have Dave as a as a co-host next season. <laughs> we'll have to start a championship pod, but yeah, I, I just the, the results couldn't have went any better for them really this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even uh, well, it's obviously they they pull themselves closer to Burnley, and I think with the Brighton Everton game tonight. It's a, well, are we are we saying that Brighton and Burnley on thirty three points? Are we fairly confident that there's just going to they've got, they have got too much about well, them to go down? Y- y- we say that. I think Brighton have because Brighton aren't losing many games. Yeah, and their goal difference compared to everyone else around them is yeah. <laughs> massively better. It's, it's, it's an extra two games because Brighton aren't losing games; they're just drawing. I think yeah. they've still drawn the most games in the league. I, I uh, think I do think Burnley have got too much about them and I do think they've got too good a manager. Yeah. But the results aren't shown it, so we can't say that. Yeah, I mean... I I, I, I agree. The the manager that Burnley have is... They... If they... I think think they'll be okay, but because they they just always... They've got that nous about them, haven't they? I mean, who who do Burnley have next? Do you know? Um, So just looking nous... Oh, (laughs) got Man U away next. Right, so, and now this is my point on Burnley and Deitch. They lost 2-1 to Newcastle here, very toothless second half from them. Would it put you past them if I told you they won 2-0 next week against Man United? Uh, I'd probably be a little surprised just because Man U just seemed to somehow pick up points, but... Yeah, but they've been crap all season as well. I, I, I know, yeah. So it, it's one of those that, to be honest... No results in that game next weekend would surprise me. If you've man, you get a boring win, you go, yeah, that's fair enough. If Burnley went up there and, and sneaked out a one-nil win, you probably you wouldn't be overly shocked, would you? Absolutely not. No, and I, I think that's why I don't really have them in the relegation battle as such. But you mm. know, there's only a point in it. Newcastle sneak a win against somebody. Who did you say they've got next week? Uh, they've got. Uh, West Ham. West Ham, which is, is that really sneaking a win? I know West Ham are in good form, but 
at, the, at the moment, you'd say it would be. Forum-wise, yeah, but like <laughs> when you think of last couple of years, West Ham haven't been great. This is just a... This is true. And almost like West Ham being where they are is more unusual than... Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they are, so... Um, but we'll use West Ham as the perfect segue there, and we'll come on to their game, Simon. Um, and what we just spoke about is... The, the cracks settling in for Brendan Rodgers <laughs> um, at the perfect time of the season. They lost 3-2 to West Ham. Now again, West Ham losing 3-2 to West Ham isn't a big deal on the way West Ham have played, but Leicester shouldn't be losing to the West Ham. Jesse Lingard with two, uh, Jared Bowen, and then Diop had a goal disallowed. Yep. And then the actual pulled two back, you know, 70th and 91st minute, but and this was a very, very comfortable win really for West Ham. The scoreline doesn't flatter Leicester and such, but West mm. Ham been good enough for this win. Yeah, I mean the uh, the Jesse Lingard resurgence just continues, doesn't it? Um, but it's, it's funny I've, that's that's how three times in the last few weeks the West Ham have raced into a three 0 lead and made it. Very awkward for themselves. I mean, Arsenal ended up taking a point off them, but Wolves on Monday and uh, last yesterday, you know, West Ham should have been much more comfortable in both of those games. I mean, from Leicester's point of view, it, it certainly didn't help that um, they had to discipline three of their players for uh, attending a house party and uh, being left out of the team. I think it was Perez, Madison, I can't remember who the other one was, but was three of them were left out of the matchday squads because of it, breaking the uh, COVID rules. Yeah, so I mean, People would know by now, eh? <laughs> you, you, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Like, but, I mean, West Ham, it's... On with, with you, I think you, you me, and Dave, kind of, we've all seem to be of the opinion that they're not, they will fall away at some stage. But the way, the way things, like, the results, the way they've, they've been going the last few weeks, it's, they're certainly, I think, going to be in in and around that top four spot. I, I, I think it could go down to the last maybe two or three games of the season. What you'd say would be the concern is the fact that they've managed to get three new up in games and then sort of get scared and, and crumble a bit. And you think as the pressure builds, as you get towards the end of the season, that type of you know defensive fragility, and we've no Declan Rice there as well, Maybe that's what will see them drop out the top four. Let's hope so. Hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as Liverpool so. get in it, that's all that matters. Um, I'm, I, I honestly don't care who. If I could pick, I'd actually quite like West Ham. I'd like West, West Ham and Liverpool to to make the top four. Um, get rid of get rid of both um, <laughs> Chelsea and and that that fraud that is Brendan Rodgers. Um, What I will say on the game is, in the actual way, another two goals, though, Simon. It's, um, a lot yeah. Of... <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I've it, it, when it was at Man City, I kind of always thought that he, he was a decent finisher. Like he, he seemed to, to get a decent number of goals without ever playing too many minutes. And then, obviously, going to Leicester, I think the problem was because because everyone knows Jamie Vardy's the man, so. He just 
he again he didn't really seem to get a, a proper run of games together, and you know the, the limited chances he did get, he wasn't he never really did anything. But maybe it's just a case of he needed just a, a bit of trust from the manager to have a consistent run of games, and you know the form he's formed the last few weeks and the goals he's scoring like this some decent goals. The two goals he got yesterday and the first one really good uh, strike from the around the edge of the box. And then even the second one was was a really nice tidy finish. So I'm not saying that he's you know he's obviously he's no Jamie Vardy, but he's he's doing a he's doing a decent job for them at, at the moment. Yeah, no, certainly is. Um but we'll we'll move on from from me belittling um Brett Lester and, and Brendan Rodgers. And then maybe the most Maybe controversial moment. Um, not that again, the result meant it's not really that important. But this decision of all the decisions is the one I cannot understand this weekend. <laughs> so Spurs won Man United three. But in the thirty third minute, Edison Cavani gets a goal ruled up, up, disallowed for I'm not uh, entirely sure what because. Uh, if we're saying, I think it was McTominay that was involved. Yeah. So if we're saying he's fouled son, I believe it was at the time. Yeah. Which means it's a hand to the face, which surely then that goes down as violent conduct, almost. Because... Yeah, oh, and well, he'd already been booked as well, so surely he's so, had yeah, so very nice the second yellow. Yeah. So that, that it just baffled me. And then later on, I, I think it might have been when Cavani scored later on, Pogba literally did the same to Dyer. Yeah. You know, when he wriggled through and Dyer just kept going because, well, I'd like to leave that there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, look, Son, Son took his goal very well. Uh, I thought Cavani's movement for his header, the diving header, oh. was excellent. Um, I thought Man United were really good in the second half here. Uh, Lloris, I couldn't remember his name there, Made a really good save from Bruno Fernandes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, thoughts on the game. And yeah, can you shed any other light on on what the referee's thinking here? Well, that, <coughs> the disallowed goal, it's, it's one of, in terms of like the sort of VAR controversial cock-ups that, you know, there's been over the last two years since you've had it. I think that's got to be right up there with one of the most baffling, appalling ones because I, I just I, I cannot understand in any way, shape, or form how you could possibly think that that that, that is a foul. I mean, I think Sun's reaction is pathetic. I mean that there's no other word, and I really like Sun. I, I, you know, he seems he's a really, obviously a fantastic player, but he, he does seem like a, a decent guy. You know when. Especially when you watch the um, the Amazon documentary, he comes across as a really decent fella. But that I, I, I thought that it was disgusting how he reacted. I mean, he was down on he was down on the floor for about two or three minutes like that. It's just pathetic. I I I I'm just at a loss to even try and fathom how the referee how he's even told to go look at it in the first place, and then when he's looking at it. Because he's seen that happen live, so you know th- those incidents when midfielders like burst past someone and, and drive towards the box, 
they that's that stuff happens in every single game, you know, probably seven, eight, nine times a game. So just yeah, I mean th- that decision ridiculous. Game itself, thought man, you were very very poor in the first half, and actually really really good in the second half. Like it, it was that second half performance wasn't a typical United play shift, but somehow get a win. They they were very good in, in that second half. And you uh, mentioned Cavani's movements. I mean, it was a great ball in, but the the movement of him and the, the finish with the header, it's, it's such a shame from a sort of neutral point of view that that he they just didn't come to the Premier League a, a bit bit sooner because yeah. I'd have I'd have loved to have seen him playing in our league in his pomp. He's the, his game, the way he plays, he's he was built to play in the Premier League, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean he's going to be great for the young guys at Man United to learn off of. And if they aren't, you know, you, you've got to question their professionalism. Um, yeah, because that's who you want to be. I mean, to have Ibrahimovic last season. Or the season before, yeah. Vani this season, and then I mean, ideally for them next season. If you're not learning there, then what's the point? You know, it's that's that's such an ego thing that you know isn't going to take them anywhere. Yeah, I think they uh, after after the game, um, I think uh, it's Roy Keane, Michael Richards, and Jamie Redknapp. But they they're actually mentioning that they're saying that for for Mason Greenwood. What what a player to be training with and and to try and and, and learn off because I think Greenwood for me I, I he's, he does a decent job out on the right I I think he'll eventually play through the middle because he's a dec- he's a really good finisher and so yeah to, to have someone like Cavani around if if you were Greenwood you you would you'd be on him like you know like glue in training wouldn't you yep. and just yeah. and you'd be asking him questions nonstop if if that's what you want to achieve. Yeah, hundred percent. Just const keep asking questions and keep seeing, you know, why why he does certain things. You know, I, I mean, I don't know what Cavani's English is like or how, yeah. it, but you, you need to be finding out like why he does things. What like in that situation, what would you do? Why would you do it? Like these are the questions that need to be asked. That's how you move to the next level, and that's how I, you become a first team regular. Yeah, because I mean, like. So, so that's what I mean. Like, so someone like Greenwood, he's he's a really good finisher. But like you say, there to move to that next level, it's all well and good being a, a good finisher. But if you haven't got that that sharpness uh, of movement, you know, just drifting off defenders at the right time, making those runs to the near post to the far post, that's that's the difference, isn't it, between the very good players and, and the top top players? Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Martial's probably a prime example who was, you know, one of the elite in Europe, you know, for his age. But he just yeah. hasn't progressed because of he's almost rested on his laurels, sort of thing. When he gets yeah. space, he's very dangerous. But unfortunately, the Premier League doesn't give you space quite a lot. You know, you have to make it for yourself sometimes. I mean, and and that diving header was prime example for Cavani. You know, a couple of little steps pulled away, bang, diving header goal. There's there's not many strikers in the league who's who's doing that and making that space and yeah hopefully the young guys at United you know are learning because Cavani won't be there too long yeah yeah you wouldn't have thought so I mean I think they've well they I think they've got an op the club have an option for one more year but I think there's been there's been like murmurings that he might want to go back to South America so 
I mean, if you're United, I'd be doing everything in my power to try and persuade him to just stay for one more year. But I suppose I have to wait and see on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right, last game of the evening was Sheffield United nil, Arsenal three. Uh, I mean, just a standard win for Arsenal here, wasn't it? Like I said, two Martinelli with a goal. Um, Sheffield United just, I don't think they're going to win another game or score another goal for the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal made this look very, very easy, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, like you say, Sheffield United just, they, they're just not Premier League quality, are they? And Arsenal had a, a very, very comfortable night. I mean, I've, I've got to be brutally honest, I, I didn't watch the game live because I thought, you know, line of duty's on. I'd much rather watch that than sit through Sheffield United against Arsenal. So I just saw the goals the match of the day and I, I can't say I was shocked when I saw the scoreline. No, that's fine. We'll, we'll move on from anyway. What I'll say is congratulations to Lacazette. That's his 50th Premier League goal. Um, Fair play. There's, there's talk of him leaving in the summer. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the right choice. I don't have him, have him and Aubameyang anyway, but they're highly invested in Aubameyang. They're kind of, they're kind of stuck on that one. Yeah. Uh, did you watch much of the West Brom Southampton game tonight, or shall we just brush over both games with the results since we are recording on the Monday evening? Yeah, yeah I mean, the uh, West Brom Southampton game, I've, I've seen the goals from it. Uh, I did not. I have much interest in watching that game either. Yeah, neither of us did. We'll be honest, listeners. We were going to record this a little bit earlier and just skip these games altogether. So, um, but your games tonight were West Brom 3, Southampton 0. Southampton continue their, their awful run of form. Two, two really good wins in a row for West Brom. Possibly list it too late. But, as we mentioned earlier, you know, there's Burnley, Brighton, uh, who drew 0 0 with Everton tonight. Are keeping keeping down there as well. I wouldn't put it past Sam to to get out of it, and you know Brighton just back to no scoring ways. Um, we are now now we Everton. Everton fans must be pulling their hair out this season because it started all so great. They they do have a a fairly good squad, but they're going to just fizzle out almost in a a stereotypical Everton way. Is that fair to say, Simon? Yeah, I mean to be fair, I so I've. Been watching the second half of of the uh, the Brighton Everton game as you've been recording, and I, I may as well have not bothered because <laughs> I mean it, it, it was a it was an awful awful game. But from what I did see in the second half, it, if any team was going to win it, it, it was Brighton. It, it it wasn't it wasn't quite the Brighton performances that we've seen in terms of where. They really should have won the game, but haven't. But if if there was going to be a winner tonight, it, sh- it should have been Brighton. It, to be fair, Everton, I think they they've been sort of hit with a few injuries now. I, th- I think they had I'm sure I heard some like they I saw that they had like two goalkeepers on the bench and like four academy players. But even so, they yeah their their season just similarish to us in the ways just seems to be fizzling out and into nothing really. Considering the the promise that they had at the start, and when you look at their squad of players as well, okay, you you wouldn't necessarily say that it's it's a squad that should be in that top four or five, but they've got some very good players there. And I, I mean, we said it last week, didn't we? After they 
threw away the lead against Crystal Palace. I think they're going to look back at this season and really kick themselves because some of the games they've dropped points in, they they just should not have been dropping those points. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree um, anymore, to be honest. Uh, they have spent a massive investment <laughs> as well. Uh, I'm not sure how long their owner will continue to to put money in, but with Ancelotti, he is a manager who likes investment. Not really a, a coaching manager, would you say? More of a buys the, you know, the ready and trusted type players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. I think he's he's. I mean, he's obviously like a very good manager, but yeah, he's like you say, he's, he's not someone that you think of that goes goes in and. And like improves average players to good ones and good ones to great ones. He's just very good at with a good bunch of players getting them to play in a in an attractive, successful way. But yeah, it'll be be interesting to see what they do in the summer. Just briefly touching on West Brom, I think um, they've they've just left it too late again. I think they'll be annoyed with themselves, like. Some of their games that they've had in in the last couple of months, like Newcastle at home, I think I think they dropped. Sure, they they played Burnley and and didn't get anything from that, and they've they've just left it too late because they may well overtake Fulham. Could you see them overtaking Fulham and Newcastle? Well, that's the, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not just taking over one team; it's taking over two. But I mean, in their defence, what I will say is. Yes, they lost to Newcastle, and yes, they lost to Burnley, did you say? But they also beat Liverpool and beat Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I mean... If, if you think about the balance itself out, but yeah, it almost makes beating Liverpool pointless. Because if you, yeah. you know, there's no point beating Liverpool if you can't beat the teams around you. But, but that's it, like, you know, with, yeah, so when you get situations like that, when you go, well, no, we... We didn't expect, you know, if you looked at the, uh, the our games against Chelsea and Newcastle, you might think, oh, we'll only get three points from them. You just wouldn't have expected them to be against Chelsea. Yeah. As you say, that's but that's even more frustrating because it's like, well, because they should have the bonus points. Yeah, ex- exactly, they're the bonus points that that keep you up. Like, ed- you know, every team that stays up in that sort of uh, bottom cluster, yeah. they always have one or two results of season when you look at it and you go like that that's a bonus game that has kept them up and it's it's the games against the teams around you they're the ones you need to win like even more so because not only is it points for yourself but it stops those your rivals getting those points so no yeah I can't agree more uh, anything anything more to add on the, the weekend's games um no, I think we've Pretty much covered this, I think. Yeah, as, as much as we need to, anyway. Well, it's that time of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It's betting corner time. And guess what? <laughs> Simon, did you win this weekend? I most definitely did not. <laughs> you certainly didn't. Dave, who isn't here, did he win? Why, I, son, I won. And guess what? I won as well. Two out of three of us won, Simon. That's impressed. Didn't didn't Dave have a seven fold as well? He did have a seven fold on. So we will run through the games here, um, and then that way anybody can clarify. Make sure I haven't made any mistakes here. So Simon, you had a four fold on of Man City who lost, Chelsea who won, Leicester who lost, and Watford who won. So it is a, another negative for yourself. Um, 
I'll do mine first because it's only a four team. I had Bournemouth, Norwich, Brentford and Fleetwood, who all won, giving me a profit of, well, not a profit, but a win of 94.66. Well done. I had a shopping list of (laughs) Inter Milan, Juventus, Roma, Monaco, Rangers, Arsenal and Bournemouth, giving him a win of £98.17. I say the highest win of the of the season, but you know it's the pretty much the only win. <laughs> <laughs> so to date, before we go on to week eight, Simon is on negative seventy pound. Dave is on plus twenty eight pound seventeen, and I am on plus twenty four sixty six. But obviously, I have the caveat of the game that happens two weeks tomorrow. Uh, the Brentford Rotherham or Rockdale, whichever team it is. Rotherham, uh, I think. If both teams score in that game, that will give me an extra two hundred and seventy-four pound, and surely the winner for the season. Uh, You'd think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So week eight, Simon, have you put yours together? I have, yes, and um, I know I, I, I said it last week. I said it during the internationals, but this one surely has to come <laughs> off for of me. So it's I've got a uh, I've gone for a fivefold accumulator this week. Right. So I've gone for West Ham to win at Newcastle. I looked at that game but decided against it. I've gone for Arsenal to beat Fulham. Yep. Man U to beat Burnley. Yep. Swansea to beat Wickham. Yep. And then in the FA Cup, I've gone for Leicester to beat Southampton. All right, and what's that returning you? That returns one hundred and thirty-three pounds and ten pence. That's quite good odds for that one. I thought so, actually. To be fair. Yeah. Well, I have gone for Watford, Swansea, Peterborough, Forest Green, and Hartlepool. Nice little fivefold as well. Okay. £115.80 for myself. Not bad. And Dave has gone for uh, just a little sixfold this time of Watford and Swansea also. Um, he has gone for, he's gone international again. Ica, <laughs> Porto, AC Milan and Lazio with an £87.84 return. Okay. So, yeah, playing it safe as our Dave. He's um, trying to keep on a a little winning roll. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. So, yeah, that is it. Um, so, yeah, that's the end. I mean, that's the end of the games. That's that's betting corner. No quiz, since it's just the two of us, Simon, because I feel I would get my own questions right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let everybody know where they can find you and anything that you've been on at the moment. Yeah, so it's uh, on Twitter, at Sio Regan. Uh, for any Villa fans, the Holtcast podcast and the website for that is 7500 to Holt, where I write a few articles after the games. Yeah, definitely worth checking them out. And, and speaking of other podcasts, I'm, I'm going to give these guys a plug because I, I find their podcast absolutely incredible. Oh, it's just a Villa podcast. I'll take that back. I was expecting it to be something. I don't know if you listen to it, Simon. Um, I haven't heard that one yet, no. A cu- couple of Irish boys, um, but they're very... Typical Irish guys, isn't it? They're just <laughs> yeah. Very frank in what they're, they're saying, but their latest podcast talking about Carragher and Neville sums up everything I feel about about the two and just <laughs> general like they're just bang on the money recently. 
Um, and I, I just find it very refreshing. So, again, football fans, have a listen to them. Villa fans especially, go and have a look. I'm going to try and get the guys on, on 11 pieces of me and maybe get them on uh, the review show or just at the an end of the season special or something um, at the end of the season. So, yep, definitely have a look, definitely check out them. But as for ourselves, you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms, whatever. Um might even get Chris to make up a Snapchat for us. Um, you can find our podcast again on any platform that you're on. But if you're on Apple, which is the one I know about mostly, can you please just give us a five-star rating and review, even if you don't like us? Um, please interact with us on social media. We do reply back. Any likes and shares on our podcast are greatly appreciated. Um, obviously, you find me, Simon, and obviously normally Dave every Monday or Tuesday, depending on when we record. 11 Pieces of Me comes out every Thursday morning. The Chris and the gang over at Extra Time, they will be out every Friday morning. Um, and, yeah, look, I think it just marked a nine-year anniversary for Man on the Post this week. Um, many, many more podcasts to come because, look, you guys are listening, so we will keep putting them out. There'll be Euro, Euro specials coming up over the summer um, for anyone who's not in international football, a bit like myself. Me and Emma and, and some of the other guys will get involved with some other podcasts, maybe some quizzes, just some general chit-chat. Let's just have some fun over the summer. But, you know, we're, we're always willing to put in the work. So if there's anything you want to hear, anything you want us to cover, if you want to be a, a piece of me guest, um, but uh, yeah, any interaction at all, just let us know um, in any way you can, really. But thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining me, Simon. Uh, thank you. It was good fun. Yeah, it has been. It's just a general conversation, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. We will welcome Dave back next week. We do. We do. We do miss the little Geordie. Um But yeah, as always, it's been a pleasure. And always remember, keep your man in the post.